tonight, there goes the neighbourhood. The Aussies move into the Olympic Village. The bunker digs itself another big hole. So wrong, so often. Some door magic, an absolute screamer. While his skipper stays grounded ahead of his game's record. And Heath Shaw is our special guest. It's your ticket to romance. Ooh. Celebrating with all your friends on the back page live. I wanted to run around in the baggy green. Want to be on TV shows like this where we can have a laugh. Never ever give up. They think women aren't strong enough, but we just beat the world. Their senses are dulled. I got pats in the back of the head regularly. It was just unfortunate it was from a coach. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. A very special show as we send off to Rio our very own Robert Craddock, who sits alongside Kelly Underwood. So sorry to see you go for a few weeks, mister. Uh, we'll get to more of that in a little while. Two people who are not allowed to go to Brazil for unknown reasons. Ryan Fitzgerald alongside Jules Schiller. Hello and welcome to you both. But let's start right there with the Olympics. And look, we've all lived in dodgy rental accommodation. But the Athletes' Village in Rio was deemed so dodgy, the Australian team refused to move in. Crash, is this just a little bit of an overreaction? Are we being precious? I mean, the room, sure, they had running water. It was running down the wall. <laughs> yeah. But were we being precious? Oh, look, I remember in Athens in 2004, there were all these problems and no-one said anything. So they whinged behind their hands for two weeks and athletes got really unsettled by it. So uh, the Australians have had a 24-carat whinge. As a result, it's been swarmed and, you know... I felt it was justified in the end. They're still having problems. Oh, things are improving. I spoke to a bloke today in the village, and while I was on the phone to him, a group of painters with trestles rushed past at 1,000 miles an hour. And as he said to me, he said, if you're still painting, <laughs> not, not moving in fridges or putting pot plants, but painting a week from the Games, you've got problems. But, look, every Games has a crisis. They'll get the end. They have been worried about Rio from the day they got it yep. in 2009. The first thing they said to him was, get the village ready earlier than you think because it's where all the whinging happens. So you use the word crisis. I think it was blown out of proportion a little bit. You mentioned Athens and I remember Andrew Bogut telling us once that, you know, in his room there were pools of water and the loo was leaking. So it's an issue that we've had so many times before. Kitty Chiller, her priority is to look after her 400 athletes. Good on her coming forward, speaking strongly. The last thing you want as an athlete is to rock up and be worried about your accommodation. And look on the bright side, block toilets, bad for hygiene but very easy for WA to collect samples. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear the Russian rooms came equipped with built-in Bunsen burners and IV drinks, so, you know, didn't let us down. Why well, complain? I mean, didn't they find a body part down on Copacabana Beach? They did. Which could be, you know, that could come in handy when you need an extra hand to spike in the beach. <laughs> <laughs> As you mentioned, our chef de mission, Kitty Chill, she's been getting plenty of attention, squeaky wheel, all that. Well, it seems to have worked, as she said today. There's been an enormous amount of progress in the last 24 hours. As of 3 o'clock today, we have had three floors that are now complete. Then by this time tomorrow, or the close of business tomorrow, we expect our entire building to be complete, ready to be handed over for a final sparkle clean. The complaints were not against Brazil, they were not against Rio, they were not against the people of Rio or Brazilians. It's a beautiful country and a beautiful city and beautiful people. It's the final sparkle clean that I really love. Do you think there she's talking about how beautiful the people are? She might have had to pull back a little bit, was asked to pull back Not a bit? Not necessarily. I think good on her for speaking up because clearly, you know, within 48 hours, what she wanted ha has happened. As I said, she reminds me so much of you. Oh. Like, she goes in oh. hard and, uh, you know, just really quite fearless in a lot of ways. 
Although you're more fearless, I think. I'll get that glare now. You know I mean? oh, it's not easy being me sometimes up here. Well, it, it will be easy being you uh, because we've done the job for you. I just went on Google Earth just to see where News Limited's putting you up, Crash. Yeah. Uh, it looks very good. Uh, uh, there we can see. Oh, oh, it's nice. satellite TV, yeah. which I think is good. I've got to say, I've stayed in worse in India on cricket tours. <laughs> but that is the point there. Uh, you've got other... Look, you've got water views. <laughs> Really you don't complain about that kind of thing, and the security, I think, is really good. For you. <laughs> they look like they're about to retire. They're just old, those, right? <laughs> oh, it is good fun, though. But, but the only point I make is that for the athletes, like, it's not like a cricket tour. Like, we stayed in some horrible place in India, but you go through them. These kids, once every four years, they'll yeah. never go to another games, and if they've got a leaky gas pipe, it could, you know. Yep. As long as yep. Tinder, Tinder is working, the athletes are happy. I think, yeah, exactly. in That's the priority, isn't it? Yeah. J Jules, you went to Sochi. I mean, the accommodation there, we've got some vision of it from memory. They had some terrific ideas there. The, the twin toilets. Yeah, it was I, I very communal. I think it's great. Yeah. It's great yeah. for bonding. For there bonding. were unisex as well, yeah. so that was even better. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you a funny story about Sochi, because uh, James Packer and Lachlan Murdoch stayed in this hotel and they had a party, and I went into the elevator to go up to the top floor, and the guy said, oh, if you're going to floor 11... Press 12 because we forgot to match up the numbers of the floors. <laughs> <laughs> the numbers on the lift. And apparently, when James Packer got there, he'd flown all the way from Australia. He got told at check in that his room didn't have hot water. <laughs> James Packer. James Packer. Can you imagine the reaction? All right, then. The Olympics movement has buckled, refusing a blanket ban on Russian athletes, despite the evidence of systemic drug cheating. And individual sports, as I understand it, will now be making the call crash. Did they get this wrong? Absolutely. It's a complete and utter circus. The equivalent of this would be like getting someone from the Great Train Robbery to confess and then having no convictions for the others. I mean... This was, they missed out China and their systematic doping. They missed East Germany. They got these blokes red-handed when the guy who did it confessed and they basically got away with it. It is an absolute disgrace. It's it pretty really complex, is. though, isn't it? I mean, the IOC's done the old hospital hand pass to the individual sports, oh, and they, now they have to make the decision. They had to make a statement, though, Kel. You've got to make a statement. Yeah, but this is so this is... political, Fitzy. This isn't just drug testing. This is Putin and his close relationship with the IOC boss, Thomas Bach, who hosted the last Olympics and spent $50 billion on it. Russia and Putin. Do you really want to get on the wrong side of Russia mm. and put them offside? Yeah, but that, but that's and, and the who's, problem. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Who's hosting the next big world event? Russia. Russia. Yeah, but, but they absolutely had them. And, and they, they even court of arbitration for sport, they threw out Russian athletes. Now, that was just a way of saying, go your hardest, boys. Get rid of the whole team. They're all guilty, you know? But people say, oh, the Russian athletes will be cleared with drug testing for the Games. But you know what? But that doesn't matter. They did all their drugs about a year ago in training, built themselves up. Oh, sure, they'll be clean during the games. It's pathetic. Is it fair to punish everyone if not everyone every, is involved? Every war has innocent casualties. It's just the, the greater and good... Look, look, at the end of the yep. day, they're tainted, aren't they? Yeah, because as they soon are. as they win a medal, yep. what are we all thinking? If they win a medal, play the theme from Chemist Warehouse. Will they be booed as they enter the stadium for that it's first gonna time? It's going to be fascinating. I You'll be they there. Will. They yeah. will be. You'll yeah. be there. Or watching from I'll the beautiful accommodation. Oh, right. Listen for that solitary boo. <laughs> <laughs> Get off here, you Ruskies. Right. Uh, performance enhancing drugs have been rife in baseball over the years. So, look, I'm not sure if Tampa Bay's Steve 
Steve Pearce was providing a urine sample in this. Just see in the background here as the boys clear the way. There he is. Look, he could have at least shut the door. Uh, <laughs> it's classy. It's you, so classy. You've got to have some toilet etiquette, like football operations manager at Geelong a few years ago. This was after the game. Gary Ablett was doing a, uh, an interview. And if you can watch in the background, uh, yeah, Neil Balm goes to the toilet and he does have etiquette. He closes the door. But um, if we watch Neil coming back out, I think he annihilated something in there because he's dropped a couple of kilos. You can watch his face here. He takes a deep breath. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the conditions in there are worse than it was in Sochi, I think. <laughs> worse than it was at Chernobyl. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want him in the Olympic Village. <laughs> I can just watch that all night on the loop. Just on the loop. One of the greats. Uh, all right. Yeah, the season's all over for South Sydney, beaten last night by Manly, but at least they got to be involved in another bunker stink. Now, this try from Joe Burgess, try, I say, this try was somehow disallowed. It was awarded a try by the on-field referee, so the bunker had to show compelling evidence to say it wasn't. They came up with no try. It seems like the bunker is looking for an excuse to kill the joy of sport. Correct. I mean, it's almost... I mean, when you... Because they're looking at it in super slow-mo, they can see things that refs can't see, the crowd can't see, and sure, there might be a half a second that the ball came half a centimetre off his hand, but is that any reason to disallow it? Oh, no. Sense of occasion. Well, it's, it's, they're the sort of people. It's like you're making love to the partner of your dreams, and they yeah. stop you and ask for a VD test. <laughs> that is the mentality the of the bunker. It's actually gone backwards <laughs> since the video ref tone. I want your opinion on this. Mm. Todd Greenberg got the head job in rugby league after round two because of the success of the bunker. Everyone said, oh, it was his brainchild. How good is that? If he was going for it now, would he get it? Uh, no, I don't think it would be the top thing on his CV. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So it could cost him the job, Yeah, it? maybe. In maybe. that instance, am I right in saying if there's separation between hand and ball... And they don't mm, regain it before no it gets try. to the ground. No but he didn't regain it, it. it. That was the thing. Oh, right. Because th yeah. there was clearly separation. Oh, there wasn't clearly separation. Come on, I've been in a better relationship than that. <laughs> no separation. But any movement you make in super slow-mo towards a player or whatever, it looks completely different in real time. Mm, yeah. And this is a problem. When you start to, to freeze-frame through stuff, you make decisions that a, an on-field umpire would never make. I like this with the referees. Manly skipper Jamie Lyon, he was having his own issues with the refs. Uh, now, he's been sent a concerning act notice for this discussion with Henry Perinara. Mate, that's a good half a dozen in a row. I'll tell you. It just seems like you're trying to get them back into the game. Okay. That's what it okay. seems like. I wouldn't, Jamie, Jamie, you're, you're, going, you're going down uncharted waters there. You, yeah, and that's not me. That's your team that you need to fix, which is why I told you, Jamie, don't go there. I'm not saying you're cheating. I'm just saying it looks like you're cheating. It's like a boyfriend-girlfriend argument. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> now that he's retired at the end of the year, he's going all out, Jamie Lyon. He's a, he doesn't give a stuff. He's brilliant. It was, a, it was yeah. great work. Look, I'm not sure if Newcastle's Nathan Ross should uh, also be handed a concerning act notice. Uh, the way the Knights are going, it's enough to drive any player to drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very thirsty. At least you'll get three votes on Mad Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Piece of camera work I've ever seen. Look at the camera, it's brilliant. Is Rob that why it's retro round? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Robbie Farrow may not get his 250th milestone game for the Tigers, but he got plenty of love when he turned up in the New South Wales Cup at the weekend. Have a look here. He was uh, he played reserve grade, dumped. This has been going 
Raquel for, oh, for an eternity. Months. Weren't we talking about this this time last year? Yeah, indeed we were. Well, the end of the season last year, it was the talk that he was going to have to play reserve grade if he, if he was to say he stayed. He's played light off the bench. It finally happened. The axe came down. He still wants to stay. Well, do you know what? There's a lot of sympathy th towards Robbie Farah, but when Phil Gould mentioned about selfish New South Wales leaders, it wasn't just Paul Gallen. He was in the equation. Now, I know in the Queensland team, they believe that Farah gets in the way of New South Wales winning. You know, he overplays his hand. A and there is a case for that at the West Tigers. He's on nearly a million dollars a year. And Jason Taylor's bringing on a couple of young playmakers. What I like about it, from Taylor's point of view, rightly or wrongly, I like coaches who go down with the ship and said, if I, if I go down here... I'll go down with what I believe in. But so isn't, I like it, that. isn't it crunch time for the team? I mean, this is a team that's mm. trying to make finals. Yeah. At the end of the day, he's the coach. He's Absolutely. entitled to make mm. his decisions. So and the young halves stepped up again. All about himself, and the the fans can you know go and you know turn it into a popularity contest. But at the end of the day, if the coach has the say, he's not the first experienced player to be dropped. You know, back a lot of to people reserves. get that tap on the shoulder. He, he has been dropped more times than Clive Palmer's guts at Attack O Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that, that is a concerning <laughs> act notice. Right? Yeah. Okay. Right. Isn't it a good chance he'll go to Cronulla? <laughs> Can we go to the bunker on that one? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long-running drama that's been played out in the public since the back end of last season. Despite the coach's view, it should be kept in-house. You know, it's been a tough week, and to see that, it's just, um, yeah, speechless. I've played four games in the last 12, 12 weeks for the Tigers. Three of those have been wins. In three, of those, in three of those wins, we've scored over 30 points. Um, so if you think that's a lack of cohesion and attack, I think you guys can form an opinion of that. On the back of what was really an emotional week and, a, and an emotional game, to be honest, I would prefer they weren't said publicly, but it's a clear decision that's, um, that I'm comfortable with and that I'm, um, I'm confident is the right one. I think that's the, the biggest thing. Very hard to keep that in-house. I think it'll be the end of Robbie. Well, and Tigers. at the end of the day, as a club legend, he should understand more than anyone that the team is bigger than the individual. That's, that's it is not, unusual. That's though. not on. It, and the yeah. other the other thing that James Hooper brought up today. I mean, it's interesting, and, and what a great career, McInnes. But he's hanging up the boots at the end of the year as well. And you know, there's a lot of talk now. There's a perfect chance for a hooker at the Cronulla Sharks next year, and he's good mates with Gow. That yeah, could be an right. opportunity for him. He's 33, I think, at the same age mm. as well. All right, Benji Marshall uh, did get his milestone game, just didn't have the result he wanted with the Dragons getting beaten. Still, there was this nice emotion with the family and supporters performing this Harker Kel for him after the game. Oh, this vision gave me goosebumps. I don't know about you guys watching this. This oh. is his little brother um, that started this, and he was telling me earlier that his mum's got uh, 15 brothers and sisters, and they were all there, and... Uh, this is family, this is respect, and that's just pure emotion. You know, Great stuff, yeah. wasn't it? Mm. You know, in, a, in this game, in NRL, there's so much negative stuff going on at the moment. We're lucky enough to work here at Fox Sports. And those guys there, Mick Ennis, who announced his retirement today, and also Benji Marshall, you know, these people have reputations about these guys and they yeah. make their mind up about them on the field. But I, I've never met two of the nicest blokes in my life and I'm, I'm really glad to know those guys. And well done to Mick today. We just Absolutely. Want to yeah. Yeah. And well, well said, well Fitzy, said. well said. He got some beautiful response. Darren Lehman, you know, uh, texted Mick, you know, within less than an hour ago just to say, mate, you know, fantastic. Nathan Lyon, I'm sure, mm. who's a great mate of Mick Ennis, another creator who just think loves him for being great company. You know? That's great.
All right, professional footy players are young blokes with too much time on their hands. Uh, what do you do with that time? Well, apart from getting into fights on the street, you uh, play Pokemon Go. Storm coach Craig Bellamy just doesn't get it. Yeah, some, some of our players seem to have gone crazy about it. Apparently, a couple of them out late at night um, <laughs> on the bye chasing something around South Bank. I, I don't understand it. I don't particularly want to understand it. So, as long as they, um, it doesn't affect their sleep and their footy, I'll, uh, I can live with it. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I just bewildered by what they see in this fair thing. Kel, you're our popular culture correspondent. <laughs> yeah, you're mad for it. Mad for Pokemon Go? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's, it's augmented reality. So yeah. you walk around looking for kind of monsters in everyday life. Mm -hmm. So Zumbat could be sitting on Crash's lap right at the moment <laughs> and I could, could, could hit him with some poke balls. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a euphemism, Crash. <laughs> Something you and I would engage in. But the player, in. the players are playing it. That's the thing. Well, it's exactly. It's not just Storm. I mean, yeah. George Burge from South Sydney. There was a great picture of him. And he's wearing the Pokemon Go uniform of the socks with sandals <laughs> as well. Yeah, there he, he is. He's, um, he's not finding a Pikachu. I think he's swiping righty. There's a single lady <laughs> about him. <laughs> in the right. And Nick Curious, look, just quietly, how good is Pokemon Go? Honestly, been playing that more than tennis. Which well, is, is it Pokemon Go or Pokococonarchus? Because he's already tried that before with Varinka and it didn't work. So he better, he better not go that again. <laughs> he, he did get beaten by that young kid today in the Canadian Open. 17 year old, yeah, 320 in the world. In the world. Yeah. Did, a good player. Yeah, but didn't play. he say as well that he's discovered. Yeah, and he's rather that than tennis? At rather the moment. that than tennis. Mm. Yeah, that's the way he is at the moment. All right, just remember, kids, though, it, it can obviously be distracting. Like for this guy at the pedestrian crossing in China, uh, look, just stepping out there, you see, trying to catch a Pokemon, instead so catches the Peloton, uh, down he goes. See, on... Yeah. Oh, zebra crossing, though. Yes, they have to stop. See, that's why menu log is so good. They'll get you milk Unbelievable. It's just a shame he didn't have someone to stop him, uh, like this fan during the Tour de France over the weekend. Inspiration See? For oh. <laughs> Just some self-policing at last. See, that's what that, they should... Fans should no, be turning on fans. That, yeah. That's what happened this year's Tour de France. Chris Froome had a swipe at yeah. someone. Yeah. The players are getting yeah. really... It's They're getting just, a little fisty. Just about had enough. All right, to AFL. And it's a record that few thought would be broken. But this weekend, North Melbourne's Brent Harvey will play his 427th match passing Michael Tuck's mark. He could go on to play 450, couldn't he? he well, he going. could. He's playing still really well. I mean, this is just mind-boggling, his debut. I don't know what your boys were doing in 1996, but that's when he played his... Uh, I probably don't want to know what you were doing in 1996, actually. That was when he was <laughs> played his first game. One of his teammates today got the rising star, Ryan Clark, wasn't born when Boomer played his wow. first game. But this is a 38-year-old man that's in his 21st year of footy that eats, sleeps and breathes footy. When he's not playing, he's training. When he's not training, he's watching. When he's not watching, he's commentating. I've commentated quite a few games with him over the years and that's someone that's just in... It's remarkable that at 38, Fitzy, that he still it, loves the game. I could tell you this now as well, and a lot of people say that sports scientists has come... Uh, it's come a long way, but with the pace of the game and the amount of training and amount of time that you spend at a club, that, that, that record will never be broken. I don't think anyone will beat that record now. If he gets to 450... It'll never be broken. Fitzy, who in the modern game would be a chance of getting somewhere near it? You see a kid or you see, well, that, that's it. Well, and it, what have they got to play for? 15 well, years? You, you look at the moment, the young guns, Jacob Wiedering, but he's done his shoulder already. Isaac Heaney's been injured all the time. These young kids get injured all the time. You basically have Liber, to go your yeah. whole career yeah. 
without getting injured. And Boomer said he has good genes. He said his father played footy till he's 50 and still plays cricket at 65 or something. So it's in his genes as well. All right, another week, another contender for Mark of the Year. And this one's an absolute beauty from Mad Jack Daw. Uh, he said himself, uh, as you can see, he, he got up there, wow. made himself a cup of tea, uh, took the mark, <laughs> and then came just, back to earth. It's just unfortunate that we've already got a flying door mat in Bruce <laughs> <laughs> So he can't, oh, he's, he's, he can't get he that can't. nickname. <laughs> that is just extraordinary, isn't it? Oh, my it? goodness. That is a wonderful And I, I, look, I know, Tony, on this week, on this show every week, we talk about the media and the journos and the players and the coaches, but there were two photographs that were taken in the AFL on the weekend that yep. just captured the moment beautifully. The first one was uh, Michael Klein from the Herald Sun. I mean, that is just that the is... millisecond mm. moment, isn't it? Look at the um, wow. definition in those arms. Reminds me of you, Fitzy. Yep. That's absolutely oh, I thought you were going to say me for a second. <laughs> and the other one was after Sam Mitchell's uh, 300th game on the weekend for the Hawks, Michael Wilson yeah. from the AFL. Look at that photo. That, that is was, just, yeah. just that's beautiful. Just before the 60 Minutes crew rocked up as well. <laughs> 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 How did you look at that picture, Tony, with Sam Mitchell played his 300th and his beautiful twins and his son and not want Hawthorne to win four premierships? Oh, go on. I, mean, I ask anyone now... watching now to look at that picture and say, do they deserve it? Would you it like or the not? reasons in alphabetical order or just <laughs> like to 10,000? All right, to be honest, I haven't been able to bring myself to watch Bulldog Mitch uh, Wallace's injury uh, and I won't watch it now, but I'll let you have a look at it. Talk us through this, Kel. This is just so, so well, sad. Well, I mean, sport oh. can be great, but it can also be so cruel. Carnet and uh, breaking a leg, I think, is just about one of the worst injuries you can suffer on a footy field. Uh, it was a sickening incident, just kicking his own ankle. It, it snapped like a twig, and then these scenes in the rooms afterwards were really difficult to watch. It's had clearly a profound effect on the entire club. And I think today we saw, we was highlighted how close the coach is to his players. Yeah, well, let's hear from him because he was still emotional in the media conference today. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm an emotional person, but um, it's uh, you know with with our uh, with our group and, and seeing the way they care about each other, that's uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something that I suppose tugs at the heartstrings a little bit. But um, you know, it's my prerogative and my um, you know responsibility to be strong, which I'm not being now. I love that. He's being perfect yeah. there. He's being perfect because it's family and it hurts. I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's the emotion of footy. It, you know, I, I see Nathan Brown came out recently, gave, it, uh, gave some advice to Wallace because, um, unfortunately, apart from a knee reconstruction, a broken leg like that takes more than a year to get over. And he's just said to him, take your time, Mitch, getting over this because... It's not a year and you're back on the track. It's, it's going to take a little bit longer for the poor bugger. There's a new era in AFL coaching, isn't there, really? Because, you, you know, with Rocket E to coach you and Malthouse, who are kind of hard and tough, now you've got Brendan Bolton and Beveridge. They're quite, you the know, Scots, connected. Yep. Yeah, connected to the players, yeah, interested in their thing. life story, their, their thoughts. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's part, part parenting. It's part parenting. It's part parenting, mm, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. All right, look, we love it when fans get into it. Probably just not uh, as into it as this. Now, this is a Bulldog fan actually touching uh, St Kilda's Nick Rewalt, and he's not at all happy. We can see closer. It's just a tap on the shoulder. Here he goes. Turns right. He gets the wrong bloke, actually, but uh, <laughs> the reaction is massive. It's a pat on the shoulder. God, my old man used to throw a full beer on me and say, get a kick. <laughs>
Because you don't really know what the fans' intentions are. No, but you, yeah. Kel, when you leave the ground, you got people patting you on the back all the time. You know what I mean? Like it's I can understand if it was a push or a punch or something like that, but a pat on the shoulder, I mean it was the opposition. I can understand, but no, but you can't let it start anywhere. While they're on the arena, you can't reach out and connect. You absolutely, surely you can't. Mm. I think you know that can get much further. But it happens after the game. It happens before the game. It happens at training when you sign an autograph. So everyone's touching you. Yeah. Well, speaking from experience. Fitzy, did you get a few people chasing your autograph? Or no, uh... not really. Um, cousins and that at, at Christmas time. <laughs> but apart from that, <laughs> not really. Do you remember these uh, Frio fans from last year? They really got into it. It was terrific. It goes back against the fence. And again, wasn't, you know, so physical, but right. Look at right. that. Yeah. that I, don't, I mean, I don't like that. I don't think that's a great look. Clearly. But there's just different themes, isn't it? I mean, at Lords, players work, walk through the long room, batsmen, in amongst the members. Yeah. You know, people touch them all the time. And it's just... It's been happening for 100 years, but there's a genteelness about it. But yeah, that's, th that, that's, that's a bit different. That, when it? you see it in light of the Frio, the guy who you know, pretends yeah, to... Yeah. I mean, that's, that's out, out of order. order. I think that yeah. if it doesn't happen that often, it's not worth kind of yeah. disciplining anyone over. Yeah, look, I don't mind fans uh, showing some guts, quite literally, like this guy at an MLS game last week, uh, take guts and courage. Spirit fingers first. Spirit fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why I have a The man boots out. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? Uh, still on fans, falling asleep can be fraught with danger at cricket, gentil or, or not to uh, crash. Look, oh, he's falling asleep. Decided just to build stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, uh, only in England, just the beautiful creativity of that in the test against Pakistan. Yeah, it is. It's so good. Obviously, he was. Yeah. How do we know he's not dead? <laughs> If you could play if you could play a game of Jenga's on that guy on that guy's head, you yeah. could probably form a human pyramid on Tomo's head at this cricket match. <laughs> 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 and he wouldn't know what's going on. It's a Pokemon Go monster right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, a Pikachu. Kill him. <laughs> all right, the top knot, the man bun, it's all the rage, uh, but it's also a target. Now Michael Ferrito was interested in how Jesse White tied his pun. You saw this, Kel. Love it. Yes, Peter Niggle wasn't there. Um, yeah, you got to love it. You, you can't touch another player scrunchy, surely. That's, <laughs> that's off limits. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the code. <laughs> Still with here, Lionel Messi has really changed since he retired from international football. Now, look at the blonde rug he is now oh, wow. sporting as he comes down with the brown beard. Isn't that terrific look? Uh, does it remind anybody of anybody? Yes! <laughs> Jason Akamanis. Messi was poised to go to the Brisbane Bears in the late 80s. <laughs> he had to choose. <laughs> exactly. All right, we've seen some serious injuries already tonight, and here's another one, although in very different circumstances. It's the old celebration-related injury for Nick Moore. This is in the Canadian Football League. Oh, He's gone up, done the chest bump, come down, done his ACL. Oh. Yeah, there he goes. Uh, that brilliant. is horrible. Well, it's actually horrible, but it's quite common, an injury in the NFL. Because a few of them celebrate, and look, oh. down he goes. He's also broken something. Oh. I don't know why these guys, well, why they celebrate this. Look, a little bump oh. there, and crunch. Oh. He's also out for the season. Uh, it's brilliant. You'd think the coach I... might say, maybe we won't do so many of those. This is good, I like this. <laughs> 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 
I'm just glad. I'm just glad there was no one in front of you. You would have done another injury. <laughs> the thrust. You would have ripped something else. Coming up, Heath Shaw drops by. We take you on a wild ride with this week's top five and the moment a Canadian football team's Olympic preparations took an unexpected turn. Now, I don't have to introduce this man. Pure, pure theatre. No problem this time. Edwards away and Bolt now steaming into the bend. And it's between those two at the moment. Jamili going well and on the outside. Hortelan Rodrigo going well. Here comes Usain Bolt into the straight. And look on the inside of Danny Tolbert going well. But Bolt is away from this field. And he's being chased by Edward now. Bolt, Edwards, Jamili and Hortelan to 19.90. Job done. He can win races. Suddenly, I'm excited about Rio. Usain Bolt is ready to go for his last Olympic Games. Now, he believes he can set a new 200-metre record in Rio. It's hard to argue with, isn't it? It is. It's his favourite event. And, uh, I mean, he's holding... He's so important, isn't he, for the whole uh, the Olympic movement. He's holding athletics together. Um, uh, do, you believe, do you believe, Crash, do you believe that he's clean? Uh, I think you've got to. Mm. You know, I've seen documentaries where they said for three years of his career there was no drug <laughs> testing prop properly in Jamaica, but I think you've got to. He's been heavily scrutinised. The one thing I will say, I so hope he beats Justin Gatlin mm. from the United States, who's a two-time drug yep. cheat, took testosterone, was thrown out for four years. It will be a terrible moment for the Games if Gatlin finishes ahead of Bolt in anything. I saw Usain Bolt beat you once, Fitzy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. He hasn't talked about that. He was running backwards it, for the last 20 minutes. It was in a Gatorade race. It was a Relo <laughs> race, and I had a 30-metre start on him, and I'm telling you, Crash, within 50 metres, he'd got me, and he was just playing with me, running backwards. Really? Unbelievable, his stride. And I honestly thought when he twinged his hammy, he's gone here. Yeah. There's no way he'll be able to race. But if you're ever going to push it, it was that 200-metre race, so it's yeah. good to see. He looks like he's straining at the end, though. Remember he used to... Yeah. The last yeah. 20 metres, he was proppy, 100%. Yeah. He's not quite what he was. If the Olympics were even a year later, you, you reckon they'd get him, mm. but yeah. he might just hang on. But he is the charisma machine. Oh, yeah. A pretty amazing story for American Kendra Harrison. Now, she broke the world record in the 100-metre hurdles on Friday, yet she didn't qualify for the Olympics. The three girls who beat her in the US trials... They took the next three places. No. Yes. yes. Yeah. So she finished sixth at the US uh, at the US trials. This is only a few days ago, Fitzy. This, of course, is Sally Pearson's um, event and one of Sally Pearson's rivals. And then days later, just comes out and breaks the world record. But we'll, what a shame she's not going to be at the Olympics. Don't but what you, a way to respond from failure. US trials. How did yeah, that happen? Yeah, yeah. She said that it just the occasion got to her. And See, huge competition, obviously. You can sort of understand it. You're on trial for the Olympics, you're tight, yeah. nervous. There, you're free as a bird. Yeah. I'd love to see a rule change. If you break a world record, you're, you're in. in. That's yeah, good. I like it. End of story. Absolutely. Have we ever shown a hurdling race in the show where someone hasn't face planted? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a serious hurdle race. <laughs> Bang! <laughs> All right, to rugby, the Brumbies are out of the Super 15 comp, uh, rolled by the Highlanders in the first week of the finals. It was kind of to be expected crash. Australia just hasn't done it this tournament at all. They wanted... Steve Larkin believed this was a try and believed the better team lost and all, blah, blah, blah. But really... Well, they didn't score a try, Tony. And I don't think if you score a try in a game of rugby, you can't say, oh, how stiff were we? I, I felt there was enough doubt in that not to be delivered. 
and, and once again, Australian rugby is just flat at the moment. You know, n none in the semis, the All Blacks looming on the horizon. So it, it's a... Did, were we really in the last World Cup rugby final? Was it only October, November? Like, yeah. it seems about... Four years ago, doesn't it? Well, that's the only good news is that Michael Checker can now get a hold of all the Australians very early to get them ready for the Bledisloe and so on. But Unlike, that's an important yeah, test. Absolutely. Got to win that. Got to win it. Unlike AFL, a rugby match keeps going after the siren if the ball is still in play. But if the ball is booted out, that should be the game over. Unless... Have a listen. Play the option of a scrum or a line-out as it went into touch. That's it, then. No. Oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> But he's now he's in charge of the bunker in the NRL. <laughs> <laughs> as well. uh, the laws but of the game. That's exactly right. Yeah. Even the refs are so muddled by the laws that oh, I can't even get the siren right. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, uh, look, I've almost had uh, enough. You as well have had enough of the Jared Haynes story. The latest is that you know is he going to go to the Waratahs? Then, of course, since then, saying the Eels are more likely to get him back and keep Corey Norman. But it was all the Waratahs during the week. Is he... I don't know if he's spreading these stories or it's just what's happening. It's a massive shop around, isn't it? Like, yeah. playing one against the other. But I've got to say this, there's brand damage there because he's like a butterfly. You know, he doesn't commit. At least Sonny Bill Williams, when he floated around the codes, once he set a course, he, he went for it. But he wasn't a butterfly. Like, he didn't drift around like this. I reckon he'll go back to rugby league. You can't have him just playing for New South Wales and not for Australia, which he can't do because he played for Fiji. Mm. But he's be he would have played, would it be, less than an hour of football in two years? Yeah. Seriously. Point. What you, Seriously. He played eight NFL games and a couple of minutes in London, didn't yeah. he? That's yeah. about so you're saying he's fresh then? <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of things from Formula One. Now, Sebastian Vettel was a bad teammate for Mark uh, Weber and Ricardo, so we didn't like him. But it turns out, look, he's got a soft side. He gets that picture from the kid who's drawn it, he takes it back into the pit and sticks it up on the wall. Oh. Yeah, he had him in first place. He came fourth, so we'll never yeah. be doing that again. I'm sure he, I'm sure he burnt that picture. <laughs> he ended up throwing darts at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoil the moment. That's a concerning act. Uh, look, these are just remarkable pictures. Uh, check out the Jared Haynes-style butterfly uh, playing chicken with the F1's car wheel. How fast can a butterfly fly? I thought their top speed was like 30 k's. Wow. It's the only friend yeah. Lewis Hamilton has. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Firebirds and the Swifts will face off in another all-Aussie netball grand final. Both too good for their New Zealand opponents, Kel. Yes, so Australia and New Zealand have officially broken up. They're in bed together for the last nine years and now they're rivals because uh, the last game of the nine years of competition of the ANZ champs will be Sunday in Crash's hometown, Brisbane Entertainment Centre. They'll have a sellout crowd of 10,000. That is the team to beat, the Queensland Firebirds. So they've been the best team over the last nine years, trying to top it off with back-to-back, -back, first team to go back-to-back, -back, and in their way is Sharni Leighton and the Swifts. So... She was great, Sharni, uh, awesome. defensively. Tough yeah. They, won't, they won't give it to them easy. No, they won't. And I mean, you know, Bad just... record, the Swifts up there. I don't know how many on the Never, never, never won in never Brisbane. Won. Never won in Brisbane. They came 14 seconds okay. to snaring it last year. Can when... they do it? I think the Queensland Firebirds will win. Let's hope it's another ripper like last year. Indeed. All right, this time last week we were raving about Pakistan's performance beating England in the first test. Well, typical, they folded in the second test, beaten by a million. Now, Joe Root, he scored a massive double-hundred crash. Uh, 
that he has him in the conversation about who at the moment of the young blokes is the best in the world because uh, Virat Kohli is another one people are talking about, aren't they? He scored another massive uh, uh, double as well. Do you like this discussion? I love it. I could talk about this all night. I mean, my favourite, personally, the guy who I think will run through the whole lot of them is Kane Williamson. New Zealand. From New Zealand. But there was a line that sits... Here's some stats for you. Yeah, look at, look at these stats. I mean, Stephen Smith, that is outstanding. He's absolutely outstanding away from home. Joe Root, England very rarely produces top-class batsmen. I mean, they've produced about two in 30 years. Williamson's a guy on the rise. But I've got to say this, the best, one of the best judges in the world is Stephen Waugh. And last year, he took his teenage son, Austin, aside, who's a very outstanding young player, and said, young fella, if you're looking at one player, your one-stop shop for temperament, technique, character, courage, I'll tell you now, it's Virat Kohli. Wow. Him, learn from him, make him your man. Trader. <laughs> what about Steve Smith? Steve Wolf. We've struggled with Virat Kohli, uh, Australian bowlers, haven't, haven't we? I mean, he is exceptional talent. He is absolutely fearless. And, Kel, I was saying how Indian players 20 years ago, they'd, they'd come to Australia, they'd look at their feet, they'd mumble at press conferences. They are debonair and courageous. India has just risen. What's, what's changed? Partly, the IPL? The IPL. And also India, the middle class has taken off. I remember in Bangalore sitting next to a guy at a function and I thought he's had some quite a few people around him. I said, what did you do? He said, I developed Hotmail. And so he owns Hotmail. How's he oh, travelling? He's responsible for those nasal spray spam emails I get. <laughs> but, but that's India. Confidence okay. comes with that sort of thing. They look the world in the eye and they're fearless. I'm not sure how you feel about Joe Root, but he scored 254 and he thought the best way to celebrate that was to send out a tweet after today's double hundred for England cricket. There's 254 free pints at Village Hotels on me tonight. Show this tweet at the bar. So that's either a great party or one very, very drunk man. But did he follow through? He did. Yeah, he followed. Did he? Yeah. Jason, he played at Yorkshire under Jason Gillespie who loved a celebration and, and Joe's caught on. And, and it's a beautiful part of cricket. There were people coming into pubs, flashing their phones right. and these lone barmaids in these little pubs were, you know, were, were yeah. taken by a storm. Beautiful moment for the it's game. sensational. All right, when your team's preparing for the Olympics, the last thing you need is disharmony. So it didn't look good when two players from the Canadian women's football team came to blows during training, oh. as you can see there. The coach now looks on in shock. As it turns out... The joke was actually on him. Uh, it was a prank. <laughs> <laughs> Even with the cream pie in the face, help celebrate his birthday. <laughs> Wouldn't love to have done that to Mick Molehouse with a muffin. That <laughs> 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 would Rocket Eat have gone with the joke? I would, like I would have loved to have done that on numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to this week's top five sporting pranks. And we start with former Manly coach uh, Jeff Toobie, just weighing himself. Look at the trader behind, just putting the... the uh, <laughs> just, I really didn't think I'd bunged on that way. Oh, I'll get off this. <laughs> Number four, uh, the eternal adolescence of uh, athletes. Look at this, just light up your... Uh, <laughs> the boots. Look, what? Can everybody else put fire? <laughs> having a great old time. I do love it. At number three, um, Yankees fans were given a chance to abuse a photo of Robinson Kano when he defected to the Mariners. That was awesome. Maybe try, try it again. Should I try it again? Yeah. Then there's gluing water bottles to the table during the New York Marathon. This is just nasty. Oh, <laughs> 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 that is <a> <laughs>
<laughs> but he knows it, but he comes back anyway. Oh, yeah, well played. And number one is when NASCAR legend Jeff Gordon pretended to be a taxi driver, picked up a journo who also happened to be one of his Sir, harshest please. critics. I can't Sir. go back, man. Sir. I can't go back. No, no, I can't no. go back, man. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I didn't do anything. <laughs> Come on out, buddy! I'm Jeff Gordon! Fuck most taxi drivers in Melbourne! <laughs> Coming up, our special guest, giant star Heath Shaw, joins us right uh, here in the studio. Uh. win in this young club's history, a club being guided from the back by a Premiership player and All-Australian defender Heath Shaw. Hello and welcome. When you uh, woke up in Adelaide, looked out your hotel window, saw that it was windy and freezing, did you expect a performance as good as that? Yeah, there was a little bit of hail too, so that was <laughs> a, it was a good start to the day, but um, no, I think we knew it was a big game for us as a club um, and where we sort of sat on the ladder. Um, but to, the way we won and to grind it out the way we did, being 20 points down at half-time, um, was, was really good character shown by a young group. You're ticking off some things, aren't you? A win in Adelaide, Adelaide Oval for a start? Yeah, it's like it's a record every week. Um, <laughs> I think it was Callum Ward's 100th game for the mm. Giants as well. He's the first guy to get to 100. Um, 12th win, that's the highest we've ever had. Um, yeah, I can't remember all the other records we've broken this year, but it's it's a good thing, and for such a young club to have the success that we're having now, um, it's great for, for Western Sydney. And you've got Richmond this weekend, so there's another tick that you have to do because Giants have never beaten the Tigers before. You'll play finals, maybe finish in that top four because you've got a great run home. You've been a premiership player before with Collingwood, so you know what it, it takes to win a flag. Can they win the flag this year? Um, oh, the coach is probably watching, so um, <laughs> I'm going to have to play this down a little bit. But um, I think the, the way that we're playing and the excitement that we bring to the game is great. And um, this team has no fear against anyone we play. Um, we've, we've knocked off Hawthorne this year. We've knocked off the last two times we've played them. Um, and that's, that's just great confidence building and comparing it to sort of the 2010-11 Collingwood team when I played in um, grand finals, um, there's, there's a lot of similarities. It's a young, young group, excited and just fearless and, and that's what I love playing with them. You, uh, you seem to be relishing your role because obviously at GWS there's a lot of young kids that are making the, the next level and they're really stepping up but 
your leadership role with Stevie Johnson, Shane Mumford, you boys, I think, have guided this team a long way this year, and yourself, you just seem to be relishing that role, Shory. You've you, you fitted in really well. The boys are really looking up to you. I live in Bow, Maine. There's a lot of boys that drink coffee around there. They talk about you all the time. You really, is this one of your best years of footy? You've you, you enjoyed it so much? Yeah, I think, um, I, I suppose, the expectations when I first moved up here were, were fairly low um, on what we could achieve. Um, that first year and maybe even that second year. Um, but coming into this year, we were excited about the way we finished last year and we knew that if we, if we play the way we wanted, we could play finals. Mm. Um, we're probably one win away from cementing a final spot, um, which is great. And then with four or five games left, who knows where we can finish. So it's, it's exciting and, and I'm sort of riding the coattails of these young boys, um, an old 30-year-old sitting on the half-back flank, just yeah. doing my thing. Heath, it's retro round at the moment. And when you look back at footy in the 80s, you know, the beers after the game and a couple of players having a cigarette at halftime, <laughs> is, there, is there anything that, in that era that you, would, that you would have enjoyed, do you think? I mean, I know it's a different era, but when, when you talk to old-school players and stuff like that, is there anything that would really attract you about playing back then? I think I should have played in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, um, I've, been in a, I've been in a bit of trouble. Um, back in the 80s, that would never have happened. So, Did your old, um, was your old man like that? <laughs> yeah, he reckons... Uh, he said Sunday recovery involved walking through the gym, out, out the other side, going to the pub and having six beers. So, <laughs> that'd suit me down to a team. <laughs> a young team? Are they all into Pokemon Go? Oh, but Jeremy Cameron's leading the way. Is he? Um, after the game on Saturday night, I think he was up until 2, 2.30... Just wandering the streets of Adelaide, finding Pokemon. <laughs> and, um, to be honest, I'd, I'd love it if he dedicated as much time to knowing your game plan as he did Pokemon. Um, he just wanders around the forward line and kicks goals, so you love him for that, but he, he is, he's well and truly a Pokemon Go fan. You've had an interesting life and you've been quite public about uh, having attention deficiency disorder and you've tried to help other people. Did it affect your footy much? Um... I think like, early days, I got diagnosed when I was in year eight. Um, and so I went on medication for four years leading up to, to year 12. And I was, it suppressed your appetite, so I was really light frame um, coming through. And, and sort of when I got drafted, I went off that medication. I went from 60 kilos to now I'm weighing in at about 85. Um, so it affected the footy a little bit there, but it mostly affects um, teammates and probably coaches um, when I get a little bit out of control. and. I no doubt I gave Mick a few grey hairs and I've contributed to a couple of Leons so far. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that I've had, I've sort of probably grown out of, but it's still a little bit there. What's an example of time when, you, you know, just a coach might have sort of, you know, lost it with you like that? It's probably, um, I think, in meetings, I find inappropriate times to, to crack a gag in probably a serious, <laughs> serious moment. Should be on this show. <laughs> <laughs> And you sort of get you get a couple of laughs from some people, but the rest of the team, all the coaching staff and footy managers are looking at you and they're just in disbelief. So you're in a meeting and suddenly you bring out your Simpsons characters, how they <laughs> look like each of the members of your team. Which <laughs> that was greatly brilliant. Uh, did the rest of the team enjoy this? Yeah, I think um, there was good reports back and, and a lot of people just said you've got way too much. Yeah, spare time. You missed yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I couldn't throw myself in that. I had too many other guys in there. But, um, no, I think, like, around football clubs, you've got to have characters, and I count myself as a little bit of a character and, um, yeah, have a bit of fun. You, you talked about your dad and, obviously, that great Collingwood connection. Now, what about Reese? He's up here, was a, a great, great player for the Swans. 
Do you, growing up, what was the competition like in the backyard? Yeah, it was pretty full on. Reese is four years older than me, um, so you always sort of do what your older brother does. He plays footy, you play footy, he plays cricket. Um, we had some vicious net sessions across the road <laughs> from my parents' house where I think one day he had a brand new ball and I said, don't bowl anything short, just make sure you pitch it up. And He's hit me in the ribs. First ball, threw the bat down, threw the helmet at him. <laughs> Walked home fully padded. So um, that was probably the last time I've been in the nets with him. But um, he taught me a lot, um, cricket and footy. And, um, yeah, I appreciate everything he's done for me because when you've got a guy who's... Um, he got drafted first. I sort of followed his footsteps all the way to Sydney. Um, it's great to have that support there as well. And the Shaw name is obviously royalty at Collingwood. You touched on your dad played and, of course, your, your famous uncle. But Reese had to go to Sydney to play his best footy and now you've come to Sydney as well. Did you get to a point in your career that you had to get out of Melbourne? Um, I was kicked out of Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really have a choice. <laughs> so, so you just, you and Nathan Buckley just never got on, is that right? Or? Oh, no, we, we got on. We just, I think, is sort of a difference of opinion. And um, at the end of the day, um, I'm at the Giants playing now um, and we're looking, looking for looking... finals and, and I'm, I'm wrapped, I made the move up here. You're looking sensational and so was your team. Thanks so much for dropping in. It's been great to have a chat. Wish we had longer. <laughs> uh, coming up, our Champ of the Week and Epic Fail. They're next. Some things, welcome back by the way, are just too stupid for words. So I'm not even going to describe this. All you need to know is it's from America and the ostriches being ridden are smarter than the blokes on their backs. Oh, that's that's Daryl and Ozzy out of Barrel Six. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they did on their days off. They pulled the curtains around yeah. them later on. <laughs> Unfortunately, Mike Baird's just shut down the ostriches. <laughs> 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 it's hard to argue with him, I think, on that one. Enjoyed some nuggets Kardashian, see how clever that is. Oh. All right, let's get you an epic fail. And look, this was always going to go wrong. From the moment we saw the slippers. Oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh! oh. oh. <laughs> That's plummeting. That, yeah. that is very hard to do. <laughs> Actually, beautiful to watch. <laughs> time that's, time is that now. the Philippines diving team? Both do it. Time now for our champ of the week. And how can we go past Chris Froome? No one else could, as the Brit won his third tour to France with Team Sky. Just that lazy cruise along the Champs Elysees to uh, claim the prize. But it was hard work before that, running up hills, spats with overs at those fans. He overcame it all to maintain that famous yellow jersey. He is simply the best on two pedaled wheels. Sadly, that is where we say goodbye to you. Have a great time, Crash, in Rio. Go, Crash. Enjoy Looking forward it. to... Hot water to bottle it. for you, Doona, and early to bed. You, right. you don't. Thank you. And it's intensely contagious. You're all sick now. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the Zika virus. See you next week. <laughs> Stay tuned now for the encore of NRL 360. <laughs> <laughs> John, goodbye.